Welcome back. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. Hey, I just realized this is our last podcast for the month of February, isn't it? It is. It is. Wow. It's the last, the last weekend of February, just a few days left. Right. Uh, February, and then we're into into March. Right. So um it's been it's been a, an interesting year so far. <laughs> yeah. Um remember those years we used to talk about New Year's resolutions? <laughs> yes. It was it was pre-pandemic when yeah. New Year's resolutions were important to everybody. And right. I, I thought about that the other day that we, we haven't talked about New Year's resolutions for since the pandemic, I think, was the last time we discussed them. So Yeah, yeah, we haven't really talked about it at all. And and I mean, Losing, Today, losing weight, losing weight is less important than staying alive. Right? That's right. That's you know, right. priorities shift. Uh, My New Year's resolution is to not get COVID. Not uh, get COVID. Stay alive for another year. That's right. Well, <laughs> today we're going to talk about we're going to we're going to cover a topic that we've we've talked about before, but it's right. something that is especially important. I, I think it's especially important with with kids and teenagers um, because. You know, we we did a podcast not too long ago about Dr. Google. Uh, we t- we did a podcast not too long ago about um, just just about self diagnosing, and right, right. what we have a lot of times or happening very often now is you know people will come in diagnosing themselves, and um, they 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 come in and they talk about anxiety disorders and they talk about phobias and panic attacks and all all of this. And so today we're going to kind of differentiate a few things. And I think it's important that we're going to do this because many times people experience stress or, or, or have some worry in their life and immediately go from that to it's an anxiety it's an anxiety disorder or something. And so we're we're going to spend some time today differentiating between stress, worry, and anxiety. Right. Yeah, this is another one of those topics, as so many are, um, that people jump from I'm a little anxious, I'm a little worried to I have an anxiety disorder or I'm a little sad, so I'm depressed or I have some routines. Maybe I have OCD And, and we see people move from normal human characteristics, behaviors and jumping to diagnoses. Okay, and it's become extremely, it's very easy to do that now with the internet because right. so much information is so readily available. But this really is one of those things where we have patients, uh, even young children, um, who are feeling, who are worried or anxious or, right. and certainly teenagers. There's, a, there's another batch of um, research that's recently been done about teenagers and depression and right. anxiety. And of course, adults, um, many of whom are feeling that way. So people come in with, I'm I'm just really anxious and I think I have generalized anxiety disorder. Um, And so we need to be careful. And it begins with something we call psychoeducation, which is let's understand these things first. Let's make sure we understand all the components. And then we can talk about a diagnosis. And then we can talk about strategies or interventions. Right. And so I'm glad you kind of put, you did this as a presentation somewhere, right? You right. talked about this at right. a school. I, yeah, I presented this at a, at a middle school. Uh, right. Yeah. And I'm glad you put this together because it sort of organizes our thinking mm-hmm. about this very important topic. And then, and it leads into diagnosis and interventions. Yeah. And so, so when we think about, uh, um, you know, we, we've talked many times about 
probability and, and statistics and, and prevalency rates with things. And so when you think about something like an anxiety, um, an anxiety is probably one of the most commonly diagnosed conditions. People can experience anxiety or at least symptoms associated with anxiety in almost any setting, you know, whether it's anxiety related to taking a test, anxiety about going to, a, to the doctor's office, anxiety about driving, you know, there, people can experience what they refer to as anxiety symptoms in a lot of settings. Right. And what we want to sort of challenge people with a little bit today is, is to maybe restructure or reframe the way that we think about some of that. We use the words worry, anxiety, and stress almost interchangeably. Right. Now, because of the internet and because of you know Google searches and stuff, most people immediately go to the word anxiety because that is a diagnostic term. And so people, you know, is very commonly used on, on the um, internet. And um, so anytime someone is experiencing some of this discomfort, they immediately go to that word. And so I, I like the idea of differentiating what these things mean, because then we can actually talk about what's happening. Yeah, anxiety would be the search term. You know, that's where you, if you wanted to have these feelings, you, you'd probably go to anxiety as the search term. Right. But you need to be careful because anxiety is part of a more com a more complex um, issue. Right. A absolutely. So, so let's think. Let's just do some quick definitions, at least the way that we would like for people to start to conceptualize some of these things. One is the first is worry. Now, to me. And the way that we talk about it, worry is something that's very important to us because what worry is, is an important mes message that our body, our mind, our, our thoughts are telling us that we need to pay attention to something. So if you're a student and you have a test coming up, that that, that what you're feeling that's pressing you to study, that's pressing you to prepare for the test, that's that's what we would refer to as worrying. Um, you're worried about it, so you're going to do something. You need to do something to prepare for it or to, to do something about it. Right. So worry yeah. is a message. It's like a nagging um, thing, in your, like somebody tapping you on the shoulder. Uh, it's a it's a reminder. Um, it's a it's a prompt. It's, right making you worry so that you will take care of some obligation. Right. It makes you study for a test or to write a reminder so that you don't forget something, uh, something that you need. So it's sort of this nagging in your brain. You know, right. You've got to do something about it. Because the thing that you're worried about is important to you. Right. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't be thinking about it. Right. But it, it's sort of this nagging irritation. You know, <laughs> I, I always think of it as somebody just keeps tapping you on the shoulder. And you think, Leave me right. alone. Right. And even when you think about somebody saying, oh, you know what, don't worry about it. What they're really saying is, is that there's nothing you need to do about it. And right. so we we refer to worry in that way. But again, we we tend to instead of saying, you know, I'm a little bit I'm worried about the test this this weekend, this, right. this Friday. Mm -hmm. So I need to study for it. We say, oh, man, I have test anxiety because I'm, I can't stop thinking about this test that I have to take. Well, that may just mean that you need to study and just need to prepare for it. That's all. You know, this is, we're approaching March and March is April comes next and that's tax time. Right. And so people at this time of year, we start worrying about getting our taxes done on time. Mm -hmm. okay. that, that's worry. And you should be worried about that because the worry will motivate you to complete the task. Absolutely. Now, now the second thing that we're going to talk about is, is anxiety. And because 
anxiety, while it's relatively common, you know, from the from the perspective of um, just mental health conditions, um, anxiety is the is an unrealistic fear about something that that hasn't happened and probably won't happen. Right. Um, you know, when you think about um, a person who who has acrophobia, a person who's scared of heights, you know, acrophobia, um, that person is what they're really afraid of. It's not so much the, the joke, right, is that it's not the heights that they're afraid of. It's the fall that they're afraid of. Right. Um, and so they they don't like heights. And so they will avoid doing things out of fear of falling from those heights, that that instability that they feel when they look down in, in, from the height. Now, the likelihood is that they're never going to fall from the, you know, from the 10th floor uh, of, of a hotel or of a skyscraper. They're, they're not going to somehow get through the window and fall down to the ground. Um, but the fear can be the anxiety. That fear is so unrealistic and so profound that it may prevent them from even going into the hotel. Mm-hmm. So. The anxiety is an unrealistic fear about something that hasn't happened. It probably won't happen. That tends to block us or stop us from engaging in some some behavior that we need to engage in. That's right. Um, I think the the shorthand way to remember this is anxiety is about unrealistic or irrational fears. Mm -hmm. That's what makes it so difficult is these are irrational um, people will will come in and and they'll they'll talk about this that if they they talk about this feeling that they get that if they don't do something something catastrophic will happen mm-hmm. and it never has right. okay uh, it probably never will but it creates this irrational fear that overwhelms mm-hmm. your your mind and your brain and your body it just overwhelms you and as you say. On the one hand, it prevents you from doing things that you really should be doing. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, and and in addition to that, it creates a level of discomfort that most people can't tolerate. Right. Um, you know, rapid heartbeat and uh, panic, near panic attack. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it creates so much discomfort that that's another reason why you really should deal with it. So it limits your behavior and it creates discomfort. And for those two reasons, you may want to see therapy to manage your anxiety. Right. Absolutely. So while while worry is a message that we need to do something, anxiety is something that we tend to need, you know, to get some support for some some maybe therapy or, or some assistance from a um a counselor or therapist to to help us work through those unrealistic or as you said the irrational fears. Mm-hmm. Now, those are are distinct from each other, but they're also distinct from stress. And right. what we like, what, what we like to emphasize with stress is that stress is not stress is not a psychological term per se. Right. We use it in for psychological means, but it, it's not a psychological term. It, it as you've said many times, it, it comes from originally from engineering, from right. mechanics, but then it was applied to to medical, um, the medical field and our biology, but stress is a biological response to just about everything or anything that happens to us, whether it's physical or psychological or mental. Um, You know, when you twist your ankle, Mm -hmm. there is a stress, the same stress response happens and works in your body 
than if you have a test coming up and that causes you stress. So yes, worrying can cause stress. Anxiety can cause stress. A twisted ankle can cause stress. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, uh, your phone ringing can cause stress depending Mm -hmm. on what's going on. Just about anything can, can cause stress in your body, but no matter what it is, it's exactly the same system that's triggered in your body and right. it's with your brain and works through to your adrenal system. Yeah, stress has an interesting history. There, it, it came as a psychologist is doing, doing an experiment with rats and the people who handled the rats were not that good at handling them and they'd escape. And so they'd have to run around the lab and get brooms out and everything. Well, that would that would create a lot of anxiety in the rats. You know, they're being chased around. They can't get out. And uh, the experimenters noticed a physiologic change in the rats. And they finally determined that it was this fear response um, that, that they were they were accidentally stumbling on. So the experimenters then started to do things to the rats, like they put them into cold um, climate, they put them in, out in the snow, or they put them into very hot climates, and they would purposely create uncomfortable circumstances. And they could, they predictably created this response. And when the experimenters were looking for a term, they borrowed a term from engineering, which was stress. And stress is the amount of force it takes to break something, whether it's a piece of cable, piece of plastic, a bridge, how much stress do you have to apply before you get a breakdown? And mm-hmm. so the experimenters then used this engineering term and applied it to the breakdown of the body, the, the breakdown of how much, how much do you have to do to have some sort of physiologic response mm-hmm. to your environmental circumstances. And we call that stress. Right. And, and as I said, it is a predictable um, response. Uh, the, the most significant of responses is what we call the fight or flight um, system. Um, but And that's where it's sort of all out. It's like where the stress response is at its peak because right. everything is functioning for safety and survival. Um, right. But to, to somewhat of a lesser degree, you... You know, if you have something in your shoe or if you, again, have a test coming up or a deadline coming up, that creates the same kind of stress in your body. It's the exact same system. Um, It starts with your hypothalamus and it goes all the way to your adrenal um, glands and and it goes to your um, and it releases cortisol and adrenaline. Mm -hmm. And that system, the goal of that system is to produce adrenaline and cortisol so that you can get to safety, you can resolve your stress, and you can um, be be safe again. Now, in today's world, that stress response that you know back in the day was to keep us safe from you know wild animals and things like that that could really harm us. It's the same system that we have when we're sitting at our desk, and you know the 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 fluorescent lights are starting to bother us, or the the hum of the lights are starting to to annoy us. It's the same stress. And so we experience it much more often now than we, than our, you know, our ancestors did, um, you know, prior to electricity and some of those things. So we, we experience stress at a much higher level now than we used to, and at a much more chronic level than we used to. Right. 
Um, right. And yeah. and again, but stress, stress can be helpful. Mm-hmm. It can be a signal, or it can be destructive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There, there. We even have words for um, good stress and bad stress. Good stress we refer to as eustress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, eustress. And that means those are positive stresses. When you, um, you know, most of the time when uh, a couple has a baby, um, that's considered a really good thing. It's a very stressful thing, but it's considered a good thing. That's a eustress. It's a, it's a good event that causes you some stress. Um, getting a new job can be a eustress. It's really exciting. You may get a raise in, in pay, but now you have new obligations and things like that. So it's stressful, but it's still um, a good thing. And then you have the not so good stress, the bad stress, which is what most of us refer to as distress. Um, and that's just stress that is problematic, stress that we don't really want, things that are happening to us that we don't really want, but it's causing the same kind of physiological response. And so it's all the same physiologically. Right. Some of it is for good reasons and some of it is for not so good reasons. Right. But the thing to remember when we talk about stress is if you can, it's related to the fight or flight response. When your body is put under this kind of pressure, whether it's a, a physical or a psychological or emotional pressure, doesn't matter right. because the body is going to react in the same way. I mean, you have one body mm-hmm. and it reacts I mean, those organs and and structures do the same thing. And it doesn't matter whether it's emotional or physical, your body is going to uh, respond in the same way. We call that response stress. But if you think about it, what stress is doing is that it is producing um, the fight or flight response. It's Mm -hmm. really related to that. When I talked about that experiment earlier about the rats, those rats were fighting for their lives. So sure. this was very much a fight or flight response. And that's exactly what's happening to us. It's a think of it as a as a miniature fight or flight response. Right. Um, and that's what it, that's the interventions that we use are interventions that are designed to reduce or mitigate the fight or flight response. A- absolutely. And and you know, and Richard, how many times have we worked with people and the you know, they, they'll say things like, you know, things could be going great. And then one little thing happens and it's like, I start to freak out. Well, part of that is because even if you're experiencing good stress, um, that you stress, even if a lot of really good things are happening, it's still a lot of stress on your body. And so one negative stressor comes along and it just puts it over the top. We see it, we see it in little kids a lot where, there's a lot of really good things happening, but they're getting really overwhelmed because there's so many good things happening. And then they start freaking out. You know, they start getting really agitated, really upset and and tearful and crying and all those kinds of things. And you're like, what's going on? We're all having fun. We're at the, you know, at the party and all these kids are playing. Well, this stress, even though it was good stress was so much that it put them into that, like you said, that fight or flight um, um, state. And so it's it's all the same, mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. you know we value it differently or we we qualify it differently. Yeah, we see that at kids' birthday parties you know, mm-hmm. where everybody's having fun, but for some kids, it's just once they get to that tipping point, 
Right. You know, that it's just a little bit too much stimulation. Mm-hmm. And then they start to feel they get to that breaking point, what right. we call stress. Okay. Right. Um, even though it's you stress, it's still stress. A- absolutely. Uh, buying a new house. Mm-hmm. You know, you're excited about moving into it, but it still is stressful. Absolutely. So let's let's take a our, our greatest sources of stress are uh, the the obvious things: school, work. Um, you know, those things cause us stress. Uh, you know, as we try to keep up with our goals and and you know finish tasks. Um, social things, relationships, um, in conflicts with other people. Um, you know, it, especially in adolescence, trying to figure out who they are and who the, what their peer group is and right. you know trying to decide between i want to spend time with my friends versus i should i'm told i gotta to spend time with my family or um right. and family is another area of uh, uh huge amounts of stress because you know you, you got to maintain what your parents want you to do or you have to meet up with your siblings and you know all of these things cause stress again sometimes it's good stress sometimes it's bad stress but school and work, our social relationships and our family, all are our major sources of stress. Other things kind of come and go, um, you know, things that happen while we're driving or things that happen, you know, here and there, those are relatively random, but those areas, those three areas are pretty consistently our, our major sources of stress. Right. Right. So what, so our thing um, that we're recommending here is we need, really need to work to manage that stress because right. if if we do stay stressed for too long, it could turn to anxiety. It, it could become unrealistic. You know, if you um, if you start to be stressed so much about your peer relationships, for example, um, that could turn into a social anxiety if we're, if you're not careful. So um, and those positive messages that worrying um, sends us, those messages that you need to do something, that could turn into uh, a bigger problem if we are stressed for too long, because we, we've, we've all heard of the negative consequences of chronic stress. Uh, right. Our immune system really starts to take a toll, um, or it takes a toll on our, our immune system, and we can get sick more easily and things like that. So we need to think about ways to manage stress. And as you said a moment ago, it's the same kinds of things that we do to to work through fight or flight. Right. Yeah. But the, the important thing to remember about stress, you know, we talk about it as the body's physiologic response. Well, part of that response is your body produces a lot of chemicals mm-hmm. during the stress response. And those chemicals can damage the body. The immune system is a prime target. Uh, different parts of the brain become targets. Mm-hmm. And so... We, we want to mitigate stress because, it, because of these chemicals. We want to keep these chemicals at bay. There's a famous book written called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what that book is about, is that zebras worry for a moment and stop. We right. worry long-term. And right. that's that long-term worry, stress, anxiety. It's a long-term stress that creates damage in our body. Right. particularly the immune system. And yeah. so we want to mitigate the effects of these chemicals and we want to shut them down as quickly as possible. That's Those are the strategies. We, we develop strategies to shut down the stress response so that we can keep these chemicals out of our system. Right. 
Now, and, and we don't, we won't spend a, a lot of time talking about these strategies because these are strategies that really, for the most part, everyone knows. No. You, know, you, you know, taking deep breaths, um, calm stress. Um, th- there is no doubt that that this works because, um, again, stress is a physiological thing, and we right. know um, from from research and from just from biology that taking some deep, slow breaths calms that entire system down. Right. Um, yeah, we tend to breathe too much. We we tend to get an imbalance between oxygen and carbon dioxide mm-hmm. when we're stressed. And so what we want to do is get more oxygen into the system. So right. the deep breathing provides that oxygen. A- absolutely. Yeah. Um, exercise, regular exercise certainly helps mitigate um, stress. Um, I like to recommend things that are more rhythmic, um, you know, dancing, sw- swinging, um, you know, if, if you notice people, sometimes people who are really stressed, you know, they'll rock a little bit. Um, but that's all to to sort of get your system back in line. Um, drawing and coloring are, are sort of rhythmic, but it's also, you know, just nice calming ways to lower that stress level um, and, and keep it from getting, you know, out of control. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, when we talk about any of these things, whether it's exercise or deep breathing, um, what you're doing is you're you're interrupting mm-hmm. that biological response. Okay, whether whether it's swinging, you're 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 taking your body into a new place. Sitting outside, mm-hmm. you know, you're moving to another location, right. and moving to another location is frequently enough to shut down that stress response. Okay, so all these strategies, um, I, I was uh, you know, deep breathing, I think is a is really a good example because. You get more oxygen into your system, but also, um, we you all know about the Lamaze childbirth method. Well, what's that about? It's about rhythmic breathing, mm-hmm. because if you're concentrating on your breathing, you're not thinking about whatever is creating the stress. Okay, so all of these strategies are all ways of breaking that stress response by moving you to another place, either mentally or physically. Right. So, so the takeaway from this talk today is really to encourage you, you know, when you're feeling something, pause for a moment and think about what you're experiencing. Is it worry? Is it, is is this a feeling? Are these thoughts just letting you know that something's coming up or there's something that you need to pay attention to? Is it just a worry that lets you know that this is important and I need to make sure it's taken care of? Right. Is it an anxiety? Is it is it an unrealistic fear about something that's probably not going to happen? Most of the time, people who truly experience anxiety, they recognize that it's unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Many times they recognize that it's, you know, irrational. They can't necessarily make it stop by itself, by themselves or without some, you know, some new strategies or sometimes even medication. But, you know, is, is that... What you're experiencing, just an irrational fear. Is it related to anxiety or is it just stress? Um, stress is probably the most common of the of the the problems that we experience that we associate with anxiety. It's yeah. usually stress. And, and it's from that fight or flight system. Right. So so pause and think about how to differentiate those three. Is it a message? Is it unrealistic or irrational? Or is it just a, re- a way that your body is responding to what's going on around you? 
Right. And, and, and don't just jump to, oh my gosh, I'm anxious or I'm, I'm having a pain. Don't jump to those conclusions. Right. Um, and remember that if you are anxious, anxiety is your way of managing your life circumstances. Some people turn to alcohol. Some people get depressed. Some people get angry. Well, your body is responding by becoming anxious. Okay. You're, you're, you're kind of using the anxiety to manage your life stressors. Um, and what, what the goal here is that you need to get in, you need to understand your anxiety, if that's what it is, and you need to manage it. Um, you need to gain control of it. Your, your body is doing something that it thinks it needs to do. But right. what you have to do is convince it that this is not the only thing that it can do, and or maybe not the only thing it should be doing. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, engaging in some of those um, strategies, whether it's exercise, you know, regular taking some regular time to um, to do deep breathing just to, yeah. to manage the stress. You know, even if you're not completely stressed out um, to the point where you're like, you know, freaking out, taking a few moments to breathe takes that baseline level down so that right. you can, you can manage new things that are coming your way. Right. Yeah. yeah. You can feel it. You can feel it building. You know, most of us know that it's coming. And so that's, you shut it down before it gets to that point. Okay. Absolutely. And that's what you want to do. Get it, get ahead of that. You know, we, in pain management, we talk about get staying ahead of the pain mm -hmm. here. We want to stay ahead of the fight or flight response. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, that's it for today. Until next time. Stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.